Tear down the walls and show your courage as you heed the call. Hey, what's up? This is Scott Phillips. I'm the drummer for Alter Bridge, and you are on Behind the Vinyl. There is no time to waste the wretched and the Take your future if you let Hey, man. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. And uh, here we are on the uh, on the release date of uh, on Pawns and Kings right now. It's out. Yeah. It's out for the masses. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. How you feeling? Uh, very excited, um, and obviously, uh, in our album cycle, scheduled not necessarily long overdue, but it feels long overdue, especially with losing so much time in 2020 and 2021. So yep. we're very excited to to get this out, and and I've gotten a lot of really great feedback from our fans who have had a chance to hear some of it or all of it, and can't wait for the rest of the world to get that same opportunity. Well, I mean, during that time when, you know, with the lockdowns and COVID and the pandemic and all that stuff, I mean, was that yeah. a time, because I've talked to a lot of the musicians and, and some musicians got really creative. Others, um, I remember talking to Wolf Hoffman of Accept, didn't really do anything because he didn't get, you know, didn't feel like it. <laughs> What was it? Yeah. Um, it was a little bit of both for me. Um, to be honest with you, I, uh, initially was just doing a whole lot of things around the house that I'd been putting off for like a decade or so, um, and got some of that done. And then a lot of it is still waiting for the next decade to happen. <laughs> um, I did, uh, get the opportunity to do, I've got a side project called projected with, uh, uh, Eric Friedman from Tremonti and then. John Connolly and Vinnie Hornsby from Seven Dust. And we've done a few albums over the years. We've never had the opportunity to really go out and support it. But um, right in the middle of that, we all happened to be in Orlando at the same time and kind of went into our own bubble and decided, you know, we've got this free time that we weren't expecting. Let's go ahead and, and make a record, which we did, uh, which came out earlier this year, I think. Um that I, I thought was really cool. I don't know that anybody got a chance to hear it. It's on iTunes, it's on Spotify, all that kind of stuff. So if you, if you get a chance, check it out. Um, the name of the album is called Hypoxia. Uh, and it's one of my favorites we've ever done with, with that. But uh, as far as Alter Bridge stuff, um, I'm sure there was a lot of writing done during that process. There wasn't for me. Uh, again, I was out pressure washing my house and my sidewalk and that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, Miles did an album during that time, uh, did a Slash album during that time. Mark did a Tremonti album during that time. So uh, I think when Windows of Opportunity popped up, those guys really wanted to get out and try and support those albums as much as possible. So there wasn't a whole lot of Alter Bridge uh, movement and music at, at that point, but um once those other projects had kind of wrapped up their their cycle we went straight into uh into ab world right we're gonna we're gonna talk ab but i just got a, a projected um question it is are you did you connect um eric and mark together is that because because projected's been around for what 10 12 years now it's been around a long about, time about 12 years we uh, e-rock has been friends of ours since like the late 90s or early 2000s we met him back when he was a 
15 year old sort of guitar prodigy kid um a long 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 time ago and so that, that was um Mark had actually gotten him to be a part of the band Submersed, which was around sort of early to mid 2000s, um, where the, I think originally they were a foursome. Uh, Mark got E-Rock to become a part of that scene. And from there, he's, we've just always been friends. And uh, E-Rock was part of Tremonti before he was part of Projected. Actually, Tremonti was in the studio finishing up their first album and doing some overdubs when John and I had gone in as projected to start tracking uh, drums on the very first projected record, we happened to be literally in the same studio. They were in one room and we were in the other. Um, and I think John somehow through that was like, Hey, do you want to be a part of this? It wasn't, it wasn't really a band. It was just kind of John's sort of side solo project from seven dust songs and ideas that never got used for seven dust. Um, and then we sat down and kind of uh, went through them, he and I, and, and uh, made a couple of arrangement changes. But I mean, for the most part, they were all pretty much John's idea. Uh, and I think asked E-Rock if he wanted to play on it, uh, which he said yes, and started doing backup vocals on it as well. And then kind of after the fact, we were like, you know, we've all been friends for a really long time. Let's actually make this a band and not just John Solo project. Um, again, unfortunately, we never, because everybody is in different bands and they're all working at different times, like we've never found that window of opportunity to go out and tour and support it. But fingers crossed, maybe within the next decade, we will.
dig, digging a little bit into the record and um, but one thing about Alter Bridge, which never seems to float to the top of the water as much as what it should be, is you guys are fucking heavy band. You know, the 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 the, the core of Alter Bridge is really really heavy, and and it's really highlighted yeah. on this record. You know, without a doubt. I agree with you. I agree with you, and I think that's um, that's kind of evolved over the years. Like you can definitely hear a difference in uh, tonality and, and aggressiveness from you know the One Day Remains record, which was a heavy record. It was, you know, certainly heavier than anything that we had ever done back in the Creed days. And um, to see the evolution of, of kind of what it's turned into. Um, I think this album specifically highlights that a lot. Like there are some really heavy riffs and heavy tones on this record that, um, you know, it's not speed metal, but it's just, you know, down tuned riffs that are, that are really cool. But speed, speed, speed metal isn't heavy when you compare it to fucking Sabbath or down or something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's there's, there's difference and and i really feel this with with this record you know the drumming the bass the Thank guitar you. it's really heavy like a track like like pawns and kings you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's meaty you know well, that, it, it, that, it definitely is that title track is i mean there's a lot of progressive stuff in that as well very much so very yeah. much so and that, that's another element that sort of alter bridge is kind of added through the years is, is a little bit of prog rock not enough to you know make people scratch their head and, you know, where's the one, that type of thing. But um, we like to get a little proggy every now and then. I think a lot of that um, comes from the amount of touring that we've done in Europe is a lot of the festivals and seeing a lot of bands that we weren't necessarily aware of. We were like, holy shit, this is awesome. You know, and it's not, it's not your traditional three minute and 45 second song. You know, it's, it's seven, eight minute songs and, I think that was kind of like, you know, once seeing that, they're like, well, if they could do it, we can do that too. You know, this is, we don't have to fit that formula that was sort of, you know, beat down our throat for so many years at the beginning of our career um, and just get a chance to, you know, explore the space. Tear down the walls and show your courage as you heed the call. Embarking on the journey yet to come. The wretched and the harmless Take your future if you let There will be
there's also stuff like, and I talked to Miles about this and Mark about this, like um, on the last record, I remember there was a song, there's a song called Native Son, which mm -hmm. had kind of a, there were parts of it that reminded me of Gujira. And I remember talking to both sure. those guys, yeah. they were big fans of Gujira. And now on, on the new album, there's, um, there's a song Sin After Sin that mm -hmm. in the beginning has a feel of like of Mastodon. And it turns out yeah. that Mike is a huge fan of Mastodon as well. Are those bands that you that you listen to as well or kind of get like influenced by or something like that? Yeah, very much so. I mean, I don't think any of those, none of those songs were specifically inspired by those bands, but I think that's just sort of part of our DNA now, the, the you know type of music that we listen to. And uh, we're huge Gojira fans. Uh, we had, they toured with us back in, I think it was 2016, if I remember right. We had uh, had done a run through Europe, um, had uh, Living Color was out with us for a little bit, and Gojira started up with us, I want to say right, right at the beginning of the UK run, and then they stayed with us through the, uh, the end of the tour. And I mean, they're such a good band, my God. It's, it's it's impressive to watch every night and it's tough to follow I, I will add um and now they're big enough where i don't think we'd ever follow them they would probably be following us but um yeah seeing that influence and and you know how complex yet simple their music can be at times like it's not all just crazy double bass and, and blast beats and you know, there's a lot of groove in what they do that just feel it feels very heavy. Yeah. Um, and same same with Mastodon. We've been fans of Mastodon for years, and I've always talked about trying to put a tour together. You know, or, and have never been able to quite work that out. But maybe one day down the road, we'll get a chance to. Hell yeah, would love that. But but you you as the drummer, you're pretty progressive as well in regards, and also with your you know you're a bit of a you're a Rush fan, you're a Tool fan, you're you're into that kind yeah. of stuff as well yeah. so so it obviously yeah. shaped you it certainly did it certainly did and and uh, you know other guys if it's you know like a bonham type feel who's a huge influence obviously I mean, every drummer that's probably walking the earth right now um he was he was like a kid, man. he was a kid when you think about it we talked about this the other day like he was like 21 yeah. years old when the stuff that the drummers now not that you're old you know, but oh, I'm old. <laughs> but you, you, you know, at this age now, you're still looking back at at what he did on you know those records and just oh, studying yeah. and 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 digging deep into it. And he was really a kid when he did that. He he was totally a kid. I think he was a kid with a very old soul that had just great feel for music in general and and rhythm and uh, you know he had such a pocket. Uh, that you know, if you put it on the on the grid, it's not going to be perfectly on the grid. But he just had that feel and uh, and tone. You know, there's a lot of drummers that when they hit the drummer, I should say there are a few drummers that you know when they hit the drum. If you're listening to it on the radio before you hear any vocals or if you see you know who it is, you can tell who that drummer is. And Neil Peart was obviously a guy like that. Stuart Copeland's a guy like that. Um, John Bonham is absolutely a guy like that. I mean, I think he kind of defined that when I hit the snare, it sounds like this, and that's a Bonham snare. Cool. Also, a guy like 
like um Thomas from from Meshuga is is that someone you you are are you a fan of that guy because he's always looked upon as and they're always looked upon as this like mathematical metal kind of thing definitely and i i love Meshuga and i love his playing i haven't taken a deep dive into everything that that they've done um and i've always have to like count when i'm listening to it like okay there's the one all right there's so this is a nine you know a nine eight bar and and then they go into seven eight and then they you know go into twelve sixteen it like it's so much math uh that it kind of makes my head hurt, but you can always cut, you still find the groove in it the whole time. That's the one yeah. thing I really, I like about Meshuggah is, you know, a lot of stuff that they play is in crazy time signatures, but you still get that constant head nod mm. when you listen to it. So you're not, you know, the fans aren't out there having to count, you know, the, oh, here's that part, that kind of thing. So, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's, I had a, uh, it was, I think it was our old monitor guy who, we were doing a show together, a festival together somewhere, I think in Australia. And he had gone out to watch him. We'd all gone out to watch him. But when he came back, he he described him perfectly. He's like, that guy is a surgeon. Like, he is surgical by the way that he plays the drums. I mean, he is just spot on perfect.
funny these drummers were talking. We're talking about Pert and Bonham and uh, Thomas Harker and, and Danny Carey from Tool. But then you also have these drummers like um, 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 fucking ACDC. I just I can't believe um, Bill Rudd. Bill, Bill. Bill Rudd. Then you have Bill yeah, Rudd, yeah, yeah. who is is you can find that one every time. But he's quite possibly one of the most solid drummers and one of the greatest drummers there is. And that's a drummer yeah. we feel as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's, he's another guy that's got that, you know, that you can hear his tone in his sticks. You know, you, you know it's him yeah. when he's playing. And and no disrespect whatsoever to ACDC, a lot of that drumming is super simplified. You know, there's not a lot of crazy, you know, drum things going on in there. But it's just got that groove to it the whole time. Yeah, he's certainly, you know. A legend as well. Well, well. Also, going into like like the album Pawns and Kings and previous albums. Uh, I mean, is it for you also a time to? Uh, it's got to be time to as a drummer experiment, and I'll I'll throw that in, and I'll 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 try this and and and, and stuff like that. To some extent, yeah. I mean, I I think uh, I've always taken the approach. Um, you know, play whatever the music calls for. And if the, you know, musically it's a simpler song, then don't muddy it up with a bunch of stuff that doesn't need to be there. But when the music calls for it and, uh, you know, sort of some of that syncopation is called for, then I'll absolutely go for it. And this was, uh, you know, after having not been in the studio for three years, which again, I said earlier is, is about average for us. We're on a, like a three year album cycle window. Um, but not having played in for so long because we didn't get a chance to, you know, tour through 10 months out of the year in 2020, which we were supposed to do. And then kind of 2021 still kind of being shut down. I didn't do a whole lot of drum playing then. You know, other than the the projected album, uh, it's really about it. And a couple of the events here and there where I'd get up and play a song with like a, a house band or whatever. Um, I didn't play a whole lot. So going into this album, uh, it was kind of refreshing and a little bit scary at the same time because you sort of, hopefully you lose all the bad habits that you had and your creativity. You don't get stuck in a rut. Like, oh, this is the fill that I would always do here and so i'm going to keep doing it but trying to find some new and different creative ways to express yourself you know percussion wise and i feel like this album has a lot of that but there are some some really cool drum moments that aren't they're not over the top you know two measure crazy fills or anything like that but um i do get to do a lot of playing on this record and some of it's different than the approach i might have taken you know, previously.
How's your specifically with this record? How how was your relationship with uh, Elvis in the studio? How how did you guys work together, and how did you work together with this? Um, it's always been awesome. Uh, you know, uh, I think we had such a great first experience with him on Blackbird, and all of us made just bonded such a really strong friendship. Um, that working with him on each record since then has um, it was easy to begin with, but has progressively become easier and easier over the years and um this is the second time that i've recorded in this room with him a lot of the other albums we traveled to do the drums we did the drums in nashville on blackbird and miami on ab3 uh, a different studio in orlando on fortress um la on the last hero and then walk the sky we did in his studio that he's built here locally um so going in this time i was in the same spot as the same room um he did change boards uh, right before we started this project i think he'd used it on one other project beforehand and the board he used to have uh was a name i forget the model number it sounded great uh it was from the 70s i think um, then this new custom board, um, I don't even know the brand of it, but it, it sounded phenomenal. It sounded really, really phenomenal, but the setup was the same. You know, I, we have a great relationship as far as, uh, me, you know, taking suggestions or making suggestions where it's very open-ended, you know, we, we can, um, feel like we can put something out there and not have it rejected or, or taken the wrong way or anything like that so it was it was a pretty painless process um we'd start at one or two in the afternoon and go till about nine or ten at night and had set aside plenty of time to do the drums the, the worst thing ever is you know and we were under pressure as far as our window where everybody was available but um had plenty of time to to do the drums so it was it was a lot of fun. It was painless. Are you well, um? Are you sleeping? Uh, I'll just add to that. In regards to this record, are you sleeping at home? How, how close is he living to you? Yeah, I, uh, fifteen minutes away. Okay. It's, how do you how do you find that? Yeah. How do you find that compared to like um being in Nashville or being in LA or something like that? Actually, what's a what effect does that have on your playing on this record? Positive it's, or negative? Uh, it's. I think there's a positive and a negative to it. And this time around, it it really wasn't uh, it wasn't a huge deal for me at all because my wife knows that when I'm in you know music mode, I'm in music mode, and she just kind of lets me be and leaves me alone. But um, my daughter's off to college now. Uh, where previously to that, it was come home and there might be homework or there I need to do this or I need to do that, and there's chores around the house and. Uh, or we've got a dinner we're supposed to go to at you know such and such a time for her school or something like that. Um, where this time it was just just me and the wife, so she kind of let me be. Um, we have talked about you know doing 
a destination record at some point where we kind of leave the comforts of home because Miles has to leave home every time. Brian has to leave home every time. Mark and I, who live less than a mile from each other and live about 15 minutes from Elvis's, uh, you know, get the luxury of still living our normal lifestyle with the studio right down the street. Um, but sometimes you can get a little sidetracked with other things that are happening that, you know, need to be done uh, when you're in the studio. And so it's, I think if it's not this next record, one down the road for sure. But I think we're all talking about going somewhere and just everybody, you know, get into that. I don't want to say uncomfortable, but, you know, leave your homes and let's pull up in a hotel somewhere and hit a studio and just focus on that and not have to worry about all the uh, the extracurricular stuff that can come up. Right. Well, is is um, is Elvis to you what Bob Rock was to Metallica? I mean, this is now our sixth record with him. Yeah. Um, and we have done some experimenting from record to record, but uh, I think ultimately uh, he's just somebody that we're really comfortable working with that still is able to push us to be, you know, maybe better than the material that got brought in. Um, and like sonically, he totally gets it. He's a, he's a huge Alter Bridge fan and he's, he has become part of the family and, you know, he gets comments here and there that maybe aren't flattering to him and he really takes that to heart. So he really strives each album to up his game, uh, which in turn we feel like kind of ups our game. Um, and I think, I think this album was a really, really good example of that where, uh, you know, we really kind of got back to basics on this record. There's not a ton of overproduction. There's no keyboards on this record or, or if there is, it's very minor. And that last record, we were just sort of experimenting and we were kind of, you know, going through a phase where we thought maybe we'll introduce this. And I love that album. Um, but this is definitely more back to basic four guys in a room hammering it out. And I think uh, I'm excited for fans to get a chance to, to hear that.
to put up a fight I'm down to a few songs is there any song in particular that for whatever reason stands out to you on this on the record um i think for me fable of the silent sun okay yep yep um which is officially the longest alter bridge song that we have ever made <laughs> not that we set out to try and break a record or anything like that because i think blackbird was our our last previous longest song um it's just a really cool song. I'm, I'm, a lot of a lot of what's there was Miles's demo ideas. Like uh, uh, we added our two cents to it and, and changed the the middle part, changed the the outro of the song uh, to make it even longer. Um, but there's something about that song that's just got this eerie, spooky uh, journey that you know the the first half of the song is so different than the the meat of the song and then we sort of revisit that idea back in the outro and uh there's a middle section of guitars and kind of a drum solo-y type spot and chaos you know and then we all sort of bring it back together and let the song breathe it's hard to describe it i'm sure that you guys have heard it but you just it's one of those songs you would have to listen to and i feel like Alter Bridge fans that are fans of those epic type songs that we do, that this is going to be sort of the pinnacle of, of what we've done up to this point. That That's also a kind of like a, 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 a progressive thing where you have, you have longer songs. I mean, you have also Pons and Kings is, is past six minutes. Yep. Uh, Sin, Sin is uh, 642, stuff like that. Yep. That's yep. something you see Alter Bridge doing more of like further on next record. I mean, actually playing longer songs and cramming more stuff into it. Yeah, that's, that's possible. I mean, we've always talked about sort of 
doing one of those, just a whole record full of epics, but it would be like seven songs and two hours long. I mean, something ridiculous like that. So, um, but I think we, we went in, uh, and Alter Bridge, we've always kind of been known for putting a lot of songs on albums. If it's 15 songs, 13 songs, 13 songs, 12, whatever. And this album is 10 songs. Um, and we felt like, uh, you know, give them everything they want. Give them the epics, give them the, you know, the hits, the, uh, you know, sort of ballad pop style songs as well just kind of what Alter Bridge has always done but you know give them a concise window to digest it and not feel like you know I'm, I've been listening to this album for three days now and I'm still not finished with it kind of a thing so um, it wasn't a conscious effort to put more longer songs on this than we've done before but uh, I think this album has more longer songs than we've ever put on an album before but i feel like everybody you know it's it's 10 songs it's not like you're listening to it forever so i, I felt like this is kind of the best of the both worlds where you keep your audience engaged and interested and don't overdo it totally also i mean with, with the title of the album pawns and kings and i've asked miles and mark that as well are you a chess player um I can play chess. I would not call myself a chess player. Um, I, uh, I, I played some as a kid. I was in a class that, uh, that did feature uh, chess as part of sort of the curriculum and, and sort of, you know, critical thinking and planning ahead, that type of thing. Um, and I was okay. I was, you know, uh, definitely not uh, Queen's Gambit quality. Um, and then uh, I actually over over COVID, I you know was bored and sitting on my phone. And I was like, oh, I got a chess game on here. I'll try and play that. And got the shit beat out of me by the computer every time. And had to set the the level to like you know from expert to like average to I think finally like novice. Like the first time the computer had ever played chess, I was able to to beat it. But that was about <laughs> it. So. I, we have uh, actually, I think Mark and I played chess at a party a chess set was sitting there and he was like hey let's play chess I'm like okay so we played and I think he beat me and I was like alright I'm done I'm gonna go make a drink now so that was it <laughs> lost where we can't escape Dark beyond 
three weeks before you're going to hit us over here in uh in sweden uh with the show um how's does brian live near you as well he lives in florida he's up in the panhandle um if i could sort of show you a map but i'm not even going to try to show you matt so he's uh he's probably about a six hour drive away from us so so it's too Uh, it's too far obviously miles is in spokane it's too far to be um uh, to be jamming, rehearsing these new tracks. How, how many how many tracks are you gonna pull out? And you are you feeling the challenge to play some of these live? Oh yeah, yeah. We've we've uh, kind of compiled a list of uh, the core songs that we'd like to have in our set list every night, and then a larger list of songs that we're gonna try and sort of rotate in and out, so <laughs> people aren't getting the same show. You know, people that come to see us multiple nights. We always try to change it up a little bit, but. Um, I, I know for sure that probably two or three of them will immediately be in the lineup. And then, uh, from after that, we'll try and rotate them in as we, you know, sort of get a relearn them together as a band. We've got about a week's worth of rehearsals built into the beginning, uh, right before we start in Hamburg, we're, we're going to fly over the week before and get in a rehearsal room and go through everything. and we're all sort of individually practicing on our own right now, but that becomes totally different when the four of you get in a room together uh, and, you know, start brainstorming different ideas and stuff like that. So um, we're going to try and play as many of them as we can. Uh, It, it won't all be in the same night, but uh, hopefully throughout the course of this, this tour that all of them, or at least most of them will, will be played live at some point. And then, from there, especially through next year, as different songs evolve, as uh, you know, fans' favorites, you, we start to with social media now. You get a lot of instant feedback, whether good or bad, um, and you start to pick up on which songs that people are really drawing to. Uh, and so, those are some of the songs that we will we'll focus on for next year to try to get them incorporated. Cool. Well, I mean, you're you're bringing out you're bringing out Wolfgang. He's coming yeah. with you. Yeah. Did you did you see him play the uh, the Van Halen tunes at the Taylor Hawkins thing? I did. I did. It, that it's 
that kid is so talented. Um, <laughs> and I thought, uh, I thought Justin Hawkins nailed the vocals on it too. Like he, yeah, that's good. he's got that, he's got that thing about him. Um, but yeah, we're super excited to have him out. We've known him for a very, very long time. I haven't seen him in several years, so I'm excited to, to catch up with him. And, uh, their drummer Garrett Whitlock is, you know, dear friend of ours used to be in Tremonti and, um, I used to see him around Orlando all the time. We'd get together and, and hang out. And then he's, I think he'd moved out to LA for a bit and now he's just sort of floating around, but um, I'm excited to see him. Uh, and I'm hoping that the other guys in Mammoth, I don't know that I know the bass player that well. So I'm looking forward to meeting him. I, I might've met him before and I'm not sure if Frank Sidoris is coming out on this or not. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know that he, he had John Jordan uh, playing with him as well through the States. I'm not sure if John's coming out or not, but those are two guys like Frank. I haven't gotten to know that well yet. So I'm ho- really hoping he's there because he seems like a fantastic human being. And John, I've known for a little bit. He's a great, great dude. So we'll see which, which guys are there. Um, but I'm super excited about that. I think it's going to be really cool. And then our, our buds and hailstorm. Yeah. Uh, we're looking forward to, to having them out as well. This will be the second tour we've done together and uh, hoping that we pick up right where we left off.
what a what a bitch it would be playing being the drummer in um, in Mammoth as well because because that kid can fucking drum man that, that that's oh insane. yeah 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 I mean it's especially when you know it's Wolfie playing every instrument on that album yeah. I mean, he, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. and he's really really good at it so. And you um, see him shred, you see, like you see him shred at the uh, Taylor Hawkins thing, but it's actually drumming that is his primary instrument, his first instrument. That, that is what he considers his first instrument. He actually, one of the first times we, well, no, I guess the second or third time that we'd sort of met, <laughs> um, we were in LA, we are playing at House of Blues. Uh, this is probably 2011, somewhere around there. Um, and he I invited him out to the show and his dad came and a couple other people. And, uh, you know, he was talking about how drums are his first instrument. And I was like, well, get up and play a song. Let's, let's do it. So he got up and played, uh, I think it was one day remains. Um, and just like nailed it. Like to the <laughs> point where I'm like, do I still have a job? Like I might've just, <laughs> I might have just given this kid the green light to take over for me. So, um, but yeah, he's 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 just a he can do everything, and it's it's awesome and frustrating at the same time because I can't do everything. So, um, yeah, we're we're looking forward to it. Yeah, is, is that um is that a good kick up the ass to have someone like that? And, and the same with RJ from Hailstorm. He's oh yeah, he's, RJ, he's a RJ's a maniac. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you do you find it uh, refreshing to have that? Yeah, having to follow that every night and keep you on your game. I think that's absolutely what it is. Yeah, you you can't go out and mail it in when you've got uh you know with Garrett and with RJ two uh, fantastic players. Um, that are going to give it their all and, you know, people will love um, watching them play. And uh, with RJ, not only his chops, but he's a very animated drummer as well, which makes my old ass have to work a little bit more when I go out there because I can't just sit back and be like, oh, I'm old, I'm old, I'll hit all the notes, but, you know, I can't do all the crazy stuff anymore. So you definitely have to step up your game. Yeah. Um, just to just to finish up, um, what is uh, what is there that you haven't achieved? You know, for you as a drummer, what? Oh boy! What? what, what um, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like I've been extremely fortunate as a drummer and musician to be able to do this for a career as long as I have. So there are a lot of things have been checked off the box already. Just the fact that I'm still getting the opportunity to do this. Um, I think the one thing that, and it would add a whole bunch of pressure to the recording process, but um, we've always talked about recording straight to tape, yep. sort of skipping the pro tools process and, uh, you know, the ability to correct things, but sometimes there's those happy accidents that happen when you're just playing, you know, purely live. Um, and I, there's, you know, I think that's something we've talked about and Elvis has always been like, you guys are, you know, one of the few bands that, that I've worked with that could do that, that, you know, if we've rehearsed enough and, 
that's the other thing is is instead of doing a week worth of pre-production, you're doing a month worth of pre-production where you're really learning the songs front to back and have worked out all your parts before you get into the studio. Um, I think that would be a cool experience. I know Miles has gotten to do it before with Slash and uh, Wolfie is, I think, doing that as we speak. I think they were recording everything straight to tape. Um, it's something I would, you know, love to tackle. I've done it before very, very early on in my career and it was, it was really cool, but very scary for what was an unexperienced drummer at that point in time. Now that I've, you know, been doing this for so long, um, I'd love that opportunity again. I think that would be fun. But as far as everything else, there's, you know, all the accolades or any of that kind of stuff. I'm super happy with what I've achieved up to this point.
Cool, man. Um, we're, we're done. We've got about 20 seconds okay. before this Zoom cuts off. Um, <laughs> the, the album from top to start is um, fucking amazing. Thank you. Know, you. 